Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health, bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants, nutrition, exercise, my yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale, mental health, and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital, empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you, and I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy, just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 153 affiliates strong. Thanks to all of you in the listening audience. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or on the website, it's pretty easy. It's all America's Healthcare Advocate. America's Healthcare Advocate. There is a care. Hall Facebook page, but they all come together. So either way, you can go to the website. Information is up there. If you want to call us, uh, you will not be put on the air today. I have a guest in studio today, actually a very special guest in studio today. But you can call. Operators are standing by. If you have questions about health insurance, health conditions, anything like that, 877-385-2224, 877-385-2224. As I said, operators are standing by. They will take your call, and we will get back to you after the show. All right, as I said, we have a very special guest in studio today, back with me again. I'm very pleased to have her, Dr. Tracy Stevens, cardiologist at St. Luke's Health System. Welcome. Hello, thank you. You look you great for, today I, in your red coat and the whole nine yards. You I had great. to get ready for this one. I, I, well, you did. I think you did. So I'm reading the Wall Street Journal about, I don't know, a month or so ago, whatever it was, and there's a huge article in the Wall Street Journal, and here's what it was titled. Heart attack at 49, America's biggest killer makes a deadly comeback. Well, as some of you probably remember, I was the chairman of the American Heart Association here in Kansas City, very involved there for a number of years. And while I was there, we thought we were making a lot of progress. Well, once I read this article and found out that we're not making a lot of progress right now, the death rate is actually rising for middle-aged Americans. The first person I thought of was Dr. Tracy Stevens, and I took a picture of the article texted to her and said, we need to do a show. So here you are. Thank you. I so, remember you said, we need to talk. Yeah. So I was like, what the hell is going on? I thought this, you know, you know, in, in the article talks about a 4% decline since 2011. And now it looks like the clock has switched the other way. And so what's happening here? I think that it comes down to one word and it's discipline why we're seeing this halt in the decline. You know, we can no longer celebrate that we've made this big impact on reducing our number one health threat, heart attack and stroke. For six decades, we dropped the rate of death death uh, from heart attack and stroke by 70%. That's what I thought. And that was until 2011. Now that rate has only declined by 4%. However, the, the population is still benefiting that is 
from that older statistic are those over 75. Where it's not benefiting is the ages 45 to 65. They're dying now more than ever from heart attack and stroke. So, you know, by 2020 or 2020, our hope is that heart disease or cardiovascular disease, death from heart attack and stroke would not would no longer be our number one health threat. It would be number two. So by next year, our goal in this country, we would say heart attack and stroke is the second leading cause of death in our but country. But that's not true. It, we're not gonna, we are not going to reach that goal. It will still be number one. Uh, we thought we could say by the rate we were going, it would be second to cancer. We are still number one in respect to cardiovascular disease. You know what's so sad about this is that 90% of this is preventable. I go back to what you said, discipline, something we're not real good at, you know, in this country for a lot of different reasons. But as I said, 90% of this is preventable, and it's preventable with simple things, diet, exercise, getting a physical, getting a checkup. You you just ran my whole blood panel. Um, Everything came out really good. It was great. Um, But, you know, I do that religiously every year. And, And my point is, people ignore this stuff or put it off, and then wham, you wind up with a heart attack, a stroke, or both, okay? And, and, and so talk about that a little bit, and why, are we, why is this going this way? Well, I think that one of the reasons in the trend is when this all was launched, this awareness, this is our number one health threat, we engaged upon technology and medications. So we have you know, stents and bypass and way to suck clots out of brain and medicines that control blood pressure and halt cholesterol from increasing. And we benefited from that. Great. But now we're missing the boat. A key piece is our lifestyle. And technology cannot impact our lifestyle. And that's back to oh, the discipline. Oh, it impacts it, all right. People sit in front of that computer <laughs> screen, true. play video games, watch the boob tube, and don't get out and do walking, exercise, whatever it may be, because it impacts it in a negative way. That's right. And in, in this study, especially the 45 to 65-year-old, especially women, their death rate is rising, and largely because of obesity and associated diabetes. Now you're respectfully said a freak because you're <laughs> people you're, <laughs> you've always known that. That's not news, okay? <laughs> but you are disciplined. Your lab is beautiful. You take ownership of your health. When I meet patients for the first time, I want to clarify who's responsible for their health. Well, you are because you're the doctor, doctor. Well, that is so wrong. I know that. That's yes. why I said that. And if they feel I'm responsible for their health, I need to see them in my office most every day of the year. And I get that look like, what are you talking about? And it's an aha moment. We are responsible for our health. I'll have patients who will tell me, I'm going out for a really bad dinner tonight, so I'm going to take two of my cholesterol medicines. Now, and that's something I've never heard. That just that, the, the logic in that, just I, that, I, that, I can't figure that. That's it. And if, like you said, if we are going to pick a disease, I mean, this is our number one health threat. And if we do six lifestyle strategies, we can reduce our risk by 95%. Then if you add self-monitor your blood pressure, and like you, check your cholesterol and blood work or sugar once a year, you can reduce your risk to less than 1%. But six of those lifestyle strategies require discipline. Six of those, 95%, when this is our number one health threat. We all should be embarrassed in our country because our BMI 
is not normal. Body mass index, people, in case you're wondering what that is. No, it's not. And here, this is right out of the article. And if this doesn't make the point, I don't think anything will. Nearly 40% of U.S. adults age 20 and over are obese. 32% are overweight. 9.4% of adults 18 and over have diabetes, according to CDC. Now, that's 9.4% that we know about. Yes. Then there are all the pre-diabetics that we don't know about that are ticking time bombs, waiting to have that heart attack, that stroke, or have it flip to type 1 diabetes, Mm -hmm. and then find out, now I've got a really bad problem. My lifespan's been shortened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So these are some scary numbers. And they're real, and they're objective. And from the diabetes standpoint, even if one hasn't had a history of that heart attack or stroke, if they're diabetic, that's an equivalent to coronary artery disease. So they've been labeled with cardiovascular disease if they're diabetic, because it is one of the most lethal risk factors for our number one health threat right now, heart attack and stroke. So so what is the, the, the number, the percentage, if you will, if you're diabetic, how much does that go up, doctor, for the risk, in other words, for heart attack and stroke, if you're diabetic, especially if you're diabetic and you're not really taking care of your diabetes. You're not getting your A1Cs done. You're not, you're, not, you're not paying attention to your diet. You're not doing the things you need to do. It's multifold. It's, it's severely elevated because we have to realize, one, we can prevent diabetes, the adult diabetic epidemic we're seeing in our country with that discipline. But the other is if we're on medications – Historically, until now, research has shown by treating your blood sugars in a diabetic state, you may impact your vision, your kidney function. It does not impact the plaque in your coronary arteries. Now, more recently, we're excited because we have new agents to treat diabetes that will stabilize plaque in coronary arteries, reduce events like never before. But we've not had great therapies for diabetes that truly impacts our risk of heart attack and stroke. So once diabetic, our risk markedly elevates. So the key is be disciplined, get your waistline under control, eat that healthy, healthy diet, which we're all confused about, and and really take ownership of your health. I mean, there is nothing more valuable than our health, and we need to take ownership. I've been practicing way too long, and I'm getting very angry about <laughs> lack of discipline. Yeah, I can see that, and I can understand it. You know, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about this symptom thing, and we're going to talk about why it manifests itself very differently in women than it does men. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be right back. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. You can find these broadcasts. You want to tell somebody about this show. They're on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, and streamed on Radio.com. So you hear this today, Dr. Tracy Stevens talking about heart issues, diabetes, all these things. Maybe you'd like to tell somebody to listen to this. Maybe it's your husband, your wife, your grandmother. I don't know. But they're all up there. You can go to our website. It's all listed there. Like I said, tune in, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spreaker, and they're streamed live on radio.com. So it's all there. 
here on America's Healthcare Advocate. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. We're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Tracy Stevens, cardiologist at St. Luke's Health Center here in Kansas City. So you're listening to this all over the country. What am I trying to do here? Educate you as to the risk. The genesis of this show was an article in the Wall Street Journal that said, heart attack at 49, America's biggest killer makes a deadly comeback. And who's most at risk? 45 to 65 now are dying at a higher rate than they ever have because this thing is starting to roll back. And as you heard Dr. Stevens say in the first segment, a lot of that has to do with discipline. And, and we're going to talk a little more about that in the next segment coming up after this. We're going to talk about, we're going to kind of get in the weeds on the diet part of this and talk about simple things that you can do that can make a big difference. But in this segment, I want to talk about symptoms because Dr. Uh, Stevens mentioned this in, in the as we were going out, women are at greatest risk. So women manifest themselves differently than men. You know, you always hear about the guy that dies on the ninth hole making the turn with the heart attack, right? And he has a pain in his arm and, you know, the yeti. But women manifest this very, very differently. So, and, and the other thing about women is they have a tendency to push this stuff off because you know, they got to take care of everybody else. I got to take care of my husband, the kids, right. maybe the mom's living with them, you know, whatever the case may be. And the women are the caregivers. So, you know, I think it's important for women to understand if you have any of these symptoms, you need to go have it checked out. So talk a little bit about that, doctor. That's right. And we have to keep center mind. The number one gift we have is our health. And without that, not a lot of other things are possible. And so that list that women often keep of things to do, it just stays on the list and doesn't get checked off, that being their heart health. And this is their number one health health threat, heart attack and stroke like men. They're often not aware or their symptoms may be different. They could have that Hollywood heart attack, the clenching fist to the chest. But also the one that I worry most about is fatigue. And you know, That's interesting. And it's like, well, great, thanks. I'm tired. We're all tired. How do we differentiate that? But it's like that new overwhelming fatigue. That woman who says at a holiday, you know, she's been preparing and I'm, I'm just exhausted. I need to go lie down. When I hear that, it just sends chills up my spine because new overwhelming fatigue can be the only warning symptom a woman has. Wow. And the others are shortness of breath, indigestion, pain between the shoulder blades, a toothache. I had a lady, she just had her thyroid removed and after recovering was out walking and her neck would get tight. She thought it was her thyroid scar. That was her heart symptom. Another lady would get her elbow injected for tennis elbow when playing tennis and that was her heart symptom. Anything new from the waist up you can't explain as well as overwhelming fatigue. We have to think, could this be my heart? And, and like you said, women are stubborn. In the setting of a heart attack, they show up to the emergency department four hours later than men. Yeah, which, again, the worst thing you can do, because the golden hour, called the golden hour, you, you have an opportunity to reverse that stroke or heart attack or, or do as very little damage as you can so that that heart muscle is not dying. But if you don't go, that continues to, pr to proceed. But So let's go back to this for a minute. So, you know, women are out there listening. It's going, yeah, wow, I just did a big family dinner over 4th of July or, you know, whatever the case may be, and I was that person. What should they do? I think, one, share your symptoms with somebody. 
right away with those around you. And and don't hesitate to come in and get it checked out. I mean, so go to your primary care physician. Right. And then don't hesitate. If it's sudden onset, you're miserable, you call 911 and you get to the emergency department. When they did a survey of women asking them if they thought they were having a heart attack, would they call 911? The majority said no. I knew exactly you were going to say that. But when you ask that same woman if her loved one or family member they said yes. Yeah, they'd be on the phone right away. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's exactly how that works. That's, that, that is not particularly unusual. It is definitely the case, though, in terms of how it functions. So, 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 that, so women definitely you know, demonstrate different symptoms. They, obviously, if you think you've got a problem, you should go have it checked out. So let's switch gears. How do men, uh, what, what, what do the symptoms for men look like? We know about the pain down the arm, but let's talk about some of that. Well, and I think, too, like you said, the pain down the arm, the chest discomfort. We do a bad job because we just ask, do you have chest pain? And it may not be pain. It may be pressure, that elephant sitting on your chest. Right. Uh, and really, they can have symptoms like described there in women, but most of us still feel they can be a little more predictable. Or when you're used to exerting yourself, when you're stepping on the gas, can you still get the gas? Or is something now halting you? Is it chest pressure? Is it exertional shortness of breath? Uh, Or lightheadedness when you exert yourself? And, you know, if you think about your heart's this amazing engine, it's got four chambers, four valves, and the gas lines are your coronary arteries. So truly, like when you step on the gas, you got to get the gas. If you've got blockages in those coronary arteries and it cuts off the gas when you exert yourself, you can feel those symptoms, but it may not just be chest pain. And so describe your symptoms the best you can. If what you used to be able to do, now you can't do because of symptoms, always think, could this be my heart? Yeah, could it be your heart? And you know, if I ignore it, could it be something you could find yourself in a much worse situation? Right. That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it is interesting. Both men and women do this. And, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's um, if, if, if I don't know if that trend changes as people age or whatever the case may be. But it seems like especially, you know, as you, people just don't seem to take this seriously enough. It's like I, like you said, it's on the list. But I didn't get to it today. That's right. <laughs> I didn't get to it two weeks from now, and I'm still on there a month from now. There's something wrong there. Yes. Too often we take our health for granted, and it's once that it's taken away, then we recognize, uh-oh, I should have done something. You're going to spend a lot more time taking care of an illness than preventing disease. You know, and it's funny, too, because in this country, we do a lot of this, okay? I don't have time to do it today because I'm working on this next project, or I own my own business, and it's important that I do this, and I've got this new marketing effort, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here, you know, or or the boss wants this or that or something else, but you made a very interesting comment. And I remember back when I was much younger in my 20s, early 20s, and I would go to these family gatherings, and one of the first things the older people always asked was, each other was, how's your health? How's your I thought. Why the hell are these people all asking about their health? Well, guess what? Now at age 70, one of the first things we talk about when you get together with people your age, how's your health? Yes. There's a reason for that. 
Yes, and that can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing because people are willing to tell you about their own experience and think it applies to everyone else, or they're more likely to tell you about a bad experience. What but the point is, you, you've got to pay attention you've to it. You've got to pay yeah. attention, yes. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about something very interesting. It's a new book out called Food is Medicine Every Day. This is a fascinating book. Doctor actually brought me a copy of this. You'll see how this ties into our discussion uh, about heart health, cardiovascular health, etc. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break with more. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us on Instagram, on the website, on Facebook. It's all the same, America's Healthcare Advocate. Go up there, send me an email if you've got a question. I'll be happy to get back to you. Post a comment. I just did this Instagram thing here a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of fun. Kind of cool. You'll see a lot of interesting stuff up there. By the way, all our summer videos are up. There's a whole series up there on pet health. So there's one up there on parvovirus, various various kinds of things you need to be aware of um, if your pets are out and about in this kind in the summer weather. So there's a whole series of those being posted now uh, up on the website and on Facebook and all the rest of that stuff. So go up to any of those off America's Healthcare Advocate. You'll see a lot of that up there. Feel free to comment. And if there's something you'd like us to talk about or make a topic. Send me an email or one of those Instagram posts or whatever the case may be, and I'll be happy to do it. All right, my producer, Mr. Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. In studio with me, a very, very special guest, Dr. Tracy Stevens, cardiologist at St. Luke's Health System. So we're going to switch gears now. You know, we've talked about what's wrong. We've talked about symptoms. Now we're going to talk about something you can do. This isn't rocket science, by the way. Uh, and it's a book that Dr. Stevens brought in the studio with her today and gave me a copy of called Food as Medicine Every Day. And she actually uh, did a little endorsement of this book on the back of the book, Cardiologist at St. Luke's, Food is Medicine. Uh, and Dr. Uh, Stevens goes to say, to avoid illness and early death, we have to rediscover the importance of real nutrients in whole foods. Dr. Bradley Jackson's guide is excellent for anyone committing to health through good food. Going back to our roots can scoot can scoot ahead can scoot us ahead. All right, I got it right. I had to read that. So, you know, this is interesting because um, so many, you know, today people just don't they don't take. I love to cook. My wife loves to cook. So we, you know, we cook dinner every day and on the weekends it's good. We go out, but but we like to cook. It, it, it's surprising to me the number of people that don't make meals at home or. And here's some of the ones that drive me nuts. You see these commercials out here on television about losing weight and, and, and this and that. And the one that Marie Osmond does, and I can't remember the name of the damn thing. You get this cardboard box delivered to your front door. This stuff's not refrigerated. It's not fresh. I mean, it kind of reminds me of K-rations when I was in the military that we would open up from the that were left over from the Korean War. Oh, and this no. is like 1969. So I'm kind of like... What in the name of God is in that stuff, okay? And what are you eating? And people are doing that. And, you know, you see them do these commercials. Where they show all these people that are grossly obese, and then they lose weight. And I ask myself, what in God's name can you send in a cardboard box that's meals for you to eat every day? Um, and what is that stuff? What's in it, okay? Point being, people don't eat enough real food. Okay, right. so let's talk about this. Well, I think the first point is, 
we have to care about food. And now, if we look at the statistics, a third of our healthcare crisis is related to our food choices. And so food has to be part of the solution. In my training, in, in traditional medical school trainings, we haven't gotten much as far as They don't nutrition. train MDs for this. They don't train cardiologists for this. And this is always a question in clinic every day because it's confusing. And we really, as healthcare providers, have to take ownership of knowing and understanding nutrition to give credible education because there's a lot of confusion in the community from the food pyramid, you know, who knows what year that, what corner that's going to be on, and then Everyone's after a hidden agenda. They're trying to sell their products, diets that set us up for failure. We can't advocate for diet. It's a lifestyle change. It's food is medicine. And if we just adopt a lifestyle that we care about food and take ownership of what we put in our bodies, we have to eat what our bodies need, not what we want. And but and but there's and, and people hear them go well okay I'm not doing that well no you can do that and still enjoy look I like going to Five Guys just like everybody else sure. does but I don't go every day yes maybe once a month if I can talk my wife into it okay <laughs> you know it, 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 and and there's nothing wrong with that but you have to do it in moderation you can't roll through Popeyes and get fried chicken right. okay you know three days a week and then eat hamburgers and think you're healthy right okay or eat fast food basically crap, which is what a lot of it is, mm-hmm. um, and, and then sit back and go, I wonder why I'm not feeling good. I wonder why I'm overweight. I wonder why I've got cholesterol, blood pressure issues. Oh, it's a huge, makes a big difference. And if you look back when you and I were younger, how often did we go out to eat? In my family, never. Never. And it, there weren't restaurants and, I mean, rarely a little place here and there. We ate at home. Now, rarely are we eating at home. It's only around. And is that why we're seeing, too, this halt in the decline in the death rate from heart attack and stroke, that we're not going to achieve our goal, that it's number two, second to cancer by 2020? A lot of this is our food choices. And if we look, if we just take ownership and look at what what our habits are, we should be at the grocery store having some strategy on a regular basis. We used to be so proud of, come see my giant pantry. Our pantry should be the smallest room in our house. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny because and I, I remember this from being on the American Heart Association doing shows, et cetera. When I, and I do a lot of the grocery shopping. Lori does too, but I, I, and I kind of enjoy doing it. But the first thing I do when I come in is I go right into the produce section Mm-hmm. Produce and, and 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 fruit, and then from there I'll, I'll probably drift over into the meat side. Rarely, if I, it's unusual for me to buy something in a box unless it's crackers. Okay, and I do buy potato chips. And, and that that's that's definitely something I do. But the point is, if if you eat vegetables and fruit on a regular basis, it, it, you know, it, I'm looking right at the cover of the book. Reclaim your health with whole foods. Mm-hmm. That's whole food, right? And I'm not talking about the place we call Whole Paycheck. I'm talking about that grocery store. I'm talking about yes. the actual foods. Whole foods. And a lot of times you get kickback. Where I live, I don't have access to that. And it's not asking to make a whole rollover of your lifestyle. Make some even small changes like, in strategies. Like instead of canned vegetables, get frozen vegetables and look at the key is read the ingredients. You know, a lot of us look at the label and say the percentage of fat, percentage of this. Look at the ingredients. And that's why I love this book by Jackson and Briley, The Food is Medicine Every Day, because it, it in a chapter, it tells us the importance of read the ingredients. And like uh, 
canola oil. We used to think, oh, let's cook with canola oil. That's really burned burned off Canadian fuel oil. It's like kerosene in our arteries. <laughs> and if you Are look, you serious? I it, had no idea. And check out the ingredients on your next bag of chips. And yeah, I know that's canola bad. oil I don't is do that right very there. Often, but yeah. And uh, but we're always that's a habit at lunch. We're grabbing that bag of chips. So a small change there. Grab an apple instead of a right. bag of chips. And and I think it's then partnering with someone who who knows about nutrition. A lot of the grocery stores now offer free counseling in the aisle. They'll take you shopping just more from education standpoint. What's within your budget? Are there any limitations that you feel you have in food? But the important thing too is to to take ownership, to look at that plate. Half your plate should be vegetables, a quarter fruit, a quarter protein. And with our Food as Medicine initiative, we've aligned, we, we have looked for years for a credible partner in nutrition from our, our healthcare standpoint. And we've aligned now with the Food as Medicine Institute, where we, we have learned so much as medical doctors about nutrition through this relationship. And I just encourage you know, everyone to, to really challenge what they're, they're, they're eating, read those labels, and, and think about, like what you said, how do you feel after you just oh ate my something? God. If you eat one of those belly bombs, I mean, you, that's what I call them. If you eat, you know, I love Five Guys, but if I eat one of those things, I eat it at lunchtime around because I know I'm not going to eat again for the rest of the day. But mm-hmm. that's it, folks. I mean, yes. Because, you know, I don't know how many, I never wouldn't even begin to guess. But mm-hmm. having said that, you cannot make that a regular diet. But here's something else I think is interesting. My wife is much better at this than I am. Be willing to try new foods. Mm-hmm. All right. I never thought I liked kale. I just like, really? Seriously, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to have kale, right? Well, you know, she started buying different kinds and cooking it different ways. And you know what? I like it now. Yes. Now, you couldn't have got me to eat that in a million years if, if she hadn't gone. So I, I guess what I'm saying is don't be afraid to experiment. These th- that stuff's not expensive. Mm-hmm. Greens are not expensive. Right. Fruits are typically not expensive. It's not hard to, to get out. And, and I'm looking at this book and I'm seeing kale and some of these other things right. here. It's not hard to try some of these things um, and, and see what an impact they're going to make on you. Right. And and within cultures, we're used to being raised by cooking certain ways. So collard greens, take that, that collard green instead of boiling it with salt, dip it in hot water, use it as a wrap. Uh, in the Hispanic population with the tortillas, think about... Don't cook with lard. That's, the, yes. And then, you know, is it a, a flour or, or corn? And really care about food. And it, it it's all about inflammation and eating the right things that are not going to set us up for chronic disease. A yep. healthy diet can prevent heart attack, stroke, cancer, arthritis, diabetes. It's up to us to take ownership. Yeah, it is. And that takes us right back to 40% of adults 20, uh, age 20 and over obese. And I went right down the line. So uh, it's serious, people. You need to take it seriously. The book, Food as Medicine Every Day. Really a great book. I can't wait to read it. I've already seen some of the stuff in it. I think you might find it helpful. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, Darren Wilhite. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. My guest in studio, Dr. Tracy Stevens, back to talk about your heart health cardiovascular health. We've talked about food as medicine. This is a brand new book. It's a great book. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I flipped through it and done some of the things. Dr. Stevens, I talked about it off the air. If you want the book, it's called Food as Medicine Every Day. Um, Reclaim your health with whole foods. And I'm not talking about going to the grocery store called Whole Foods. I'm talking about the book and Whole Foods. So I think you'd find it interesting. Um, It's certainly worth taking a look at um, if you're trying to overcome obesity and you have other issues like diabetes, et cetera. Big problem in this country, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's a huge problem. So this is something that, you know, this is the reason why we're doing the show today. I'm trying to give you information to help you improve your health. All right. So, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, and they kind of go hand in hand, doctor. Um, You know, we talked about heart health and cardiac arrest and all the rest of it. But stroke is another issue. um, And it's another issue that's impacted by things like food, diet, exercise, behavior, so let's talk about that. You're right. And I, I look at our blood vessels throughout our entire body. And so if our blood vessels, I say if the pipes are rusty upstairs, they're going to be rusty downstairs and vice versa. I that one. I remember that one. If the pipes are rusty upstairs, okay, that's good. And, and we think about we want smooth arteries, but our lifestyle is predominantly what's clogging up our arteries. And it's not so much is there plaque, but keeping plaque from rupturing. And it's It's our lack of ownership to our health that is making our plaque rupture in our country. And heart attack and stroke go hand in hand. They share the same risk factors. And the things we do in our lifestyle not only reduce our risk of heart attack, but of stroke. Because stroke, like heart attack, we made it impact earlier. But now we're seeing younger people coming in with strokes, especially people who are obese, diabetic, who smoke, or on birth control, or on types of hormone therapy. Really? Birth control and hormone therapy? Yes. So what happens when you put that together with obesity and smoking. I call it the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> in that okay. uh, in that you've got an obese person who smokes and on hormone therapy. All of that makes us more prone to having clots in our in our blood, really? thicker blood, destabilizes plaque and it's when the plaque ruptures the crisis occurs because a clot tries to form at that plaque rupture site and it's the clot that obstructs the flow and creates that sudden crisis. So if it's in our neck arteries, our brain arteries, it's a stroke, same process in our heart, it's a heart attack, same process in our legs, we lose our limbs. And so the the combination of those three are a very lethal combination. And we shouldn't, in respect to women, be prescribing hormone therapy, whether it's birth control or after menopause, if they smoke. But what do women do? They lie. I don't smoke. <laughs> she said it. I didn't, people. Okay. That's it. So the, the risk is must be significantly greater. It and is. you know, this, this is the other thing. It's interesting. Younger people are smoking more now than they were 10 years ago, five years ago. This vaping thing, this jewel stuff that you see. I mean, I get it. Okay. It's not the same as smoking a Marlboro, which we did back when I was a kid. But it's still smoking. It's still doing the same kind of damage, yes? It is. The chemicals that we're inhaling are the key, whether it's nicotine or 
stimulants, whatever we're sucking into our lungs. And it can certainly get into our bloodstream and create inflammation, make plaque form, make plaque rupture. And so really, I, I don't know of any of those that are felt to be safe. So explain when you talk about plaque rupture, so the audience understands what you're talking about. So you, you've got a lot of plaque in your system. It ruptures. What happens? That's when the crisis occurs. I look at it like pimples. And so coronary artery acne, pimples in our blood vessels, uh, where like pimples, they can get inflamed pop and a scab forms. That's a great visual. That's a heart attack or stroke. So something in our bloodstream, whatever is in our bloodstream that could create inflammation to that plaque as it's swimming by can inflame the plaque, make it swell, pop. And then in the bloodstream, the body thinks that's a cut. So like a cut, it forms a clot to heal that plaque okay. rupture. And it's not the plaque but the clot that forms to heal that plaque when it ruptures that suddenly obstructs the blood flow and creates that sudden heart attack, that sudden stroke. It can explain why you can have a normal stress test one day and a heart attack the next. Uh, the big plaque poppers are nicotine and diabetes. Really? Yes. Okay, now that's news because, and we've done a lot of these, I did not know that. So nicotine and diabetes are the two big ones. So back to the smoking thing, obviously, yes. Juul or any of this other vaping stuff, same same deal, different day. You're still using, the, the benefit of that is the nicotine. That's why people are doing it. Okay, right. so if you have these, you have this other combination of issues mm -hmm. and you're smoking using any of those devices, you're, you're begging for an opportunity to break loose to have something like this happen. You're right, no matter what your age is. We're seeing very, very young people presenting with stroke. Wow, and, and the reason they're presenting with stroke is because they're doing all of this, and when you combine and, and, uh, you know, three or four of these things together, because mm -hmm. you see all this hormone therapy, these ads for hormone therapy, the special pharmacies that make up special hormones and mm -hmm. all the rest is, that, that women are doing, which I assume by itself is not necessarily a bad thing, but when right. you add these other elements into it, right. that's when you increase your danger and the level right. of danger. Right. It's not to say hormone therapy is bad, but in those combination, it could be dangerous. And and I think, too, if there's a point to your comments about stroke, I mean, high blood pressure is second only now to nicotine as the most preventable cause of heart attack and stroke. 40, 50 percent of Americans will have high blood pressure. A third are not controlled or on medicines, not Don't even know they have it. If we could just control blood pressure self-monitor our blood pressure. America, take your blood pressure at least once a month and know your guidelines. You know, when you, when I, that's funny you say that because, you know, if you go pick up your, your prescription at the pharmacy, most pharmacies now have my little CVS over here. They've got a blood pressure cuff. I think, hey, I sit down, I take it. Yes. To, you know, I just want to know. Okay? Yes. You know, if you don't have it at home, Go, go to the local pharmacy. I bet you every pharmacy in this country probably has got one of those things. You're right. And they take ownership. They calibrate, make sure they're accurate. Yeah, and it's important to know that. This was a great show, as usual. Thank you very much. You're, she's extremely busy. To get her in here is not easy to do. Dr. Tracy Stevens, cardiologist, St. Luke's Health System here in Kansas City, Missouri. Thank you again for being here. Thank you. I love it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best... You most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. Goodbye, America. Radio.